0: Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, again uh, for your love poured out to us through the work of Jesus. And I I pray that we would see that love, experience it, and uh, live it out. Again, we thank you for Jesus and his example. It's in his name we pray, amen. I want you to think uh, for just a moment or two about uh, what you typically pray about. Uh, Think about your prayer life and under what category would you fit a majority of your prayers. Uh, maybe for some of you would say a lot of stuff I've been praying about recently would fit under the category of what? Uh, like, like you're praying about a thing. Maybe you're uh, a kid uh, th- that has a birthday coming up or uh, you're we're about halfway point here to Christmas and you've already got that on your radar and you've just been like praying big time. Uh, about a toy or a thing that you want. Maybe you're a 16 year old and you're about to get your license and you've just been crying out to the Lord for a car. Um, maybe you're a, a young adult that is uh, looking to buy a home and you've just spent a majority of your time recently praying about a thing. Maybe for you, uh, a, a what? Maybe for you, your, your category would be a, a who, and you've been praying about who uh, you should marry, you're waiting for the right guy or, or the right girl, or maybe you're praying for uh, somebody that you know and care about that has a health challenge, and you would say, yeah, uh, a lot of my prayer time is spent in, in the who category. I'm, I'm praying primarily uh, for people. Maybe for you, especially during this pandemic, you would fit yourself into the why category right? Of why is this happening? Why am I going through this challenge? Why is life so difficult? And you say, a lot of, a lot of my prayers would fit under, under why. Maybe for you, it's where, you know, and you're thinking about, man, where should we live? Or where should I work? Or, 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 you know, it it fits under that category for you, the the where category. Uh, Maybe for you, it's when, you know, when, when should we have children? Um, you know, when should we move and, and, and stuff like that. Today, I want to give you just an additional category that the Apostle Paul is going to teach us about. Uh, and it's of no surprise to me that Paul writes the passage uh, that, that we're going to study today to the people that he's writing it to. But the category that he's going to show us is How? Um, he's going to teach us this category of prayer called how. How should we live? How should we behave? How should we engage with culture? And you're going to see that this fits right into the category of love that we're talking about. So Paul kind of gives us a new category. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be in Ephesians 3. And uh, Paul's going to write this prayer to the Ephesian church. Now, now the church in Ephesus where, where Paul is writing this prayer to, It's established in about AD 53 by the Apostle Paul. About a year later, after it's established, Paul comes back and visits the church and visits the city, and he stays there about three years. And we know from uh, Paul's writings that during that three years, he fell in love with this church. He fell in love with their leaders. He fell in love with just the whole city. And I wanna show you, Paul at some point comes under compulsion by the Holy Spirit that he needs to leave Ephesus and go to Jerusalem. And so there comes a time where he's gonna leave this church. Uh, He's gonna leave the people there. And it is just kind of a gut-wrenching scene. But I wanna read it to you from Acts 20 uh, so you can see how much Paul loved the people there, all right? He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns that prison and hardship are facing me. So, I mean, just kind of get this in your head just for a minute. Paul's like, I need to leave Ephesus. I need to go to Jerusalem. You know, oh, you're going like for a new job with more money, Paul? Well, the Holy Spirit told me that prison and hardship's away. I'm going anyway. It's just a different, a different mindset when it comes to obedience. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among me whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again, All right? Listen to these words. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of whom the Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I knew never stopped warning you each uh, i never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears now i commit you to god and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you by that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He loved this church so much. You can hear it in, the, in his words, how much he loved the church, how much he loved the eldership. And so about a year later, Paul, does go, Paul goes to Jerusalem. About a year later, he's under house arrest and he writes this letter uh, back to them. And uh, if you ever have a chance, read through the book of Ephesians. You just see Paul's love for this church again and again. But it's in this book that we find this prayer, a prayer for love um, and, and a prayer uh, that, that they would demonstrate the love that had been shown to them. So let's start in Ephesians three fourteen. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he starts the prayer by kind of highlighting the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that in our kind of movement of church, the Christian church, Church of Christ, we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. We, we really don't as a movement. Uh, and I find that uh, we, we talked about the Trinity last week, that God is one, but he's three, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I find that if you have any member of the Trinity absent from your teaching, preaching, and just Bible reading, that you're going to find yourself missing out on some key attributes of the faith. So for instance, if you don't think or read much about God the Father, you're going to miss out on the bigness and the majesty of God. God who created the heavens and the earth, who is mighty and big and worthy of our praise. If you don't spend a lot of time thinking about and studying Jesus, you're gonna miss out on the beauty and the love of grace that God pours out his love to us through the work of Jesus Christ. So if you kind of miss out on Jesus, you're gonna miss out on this love and grace from the cross that he died this painful death so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And if you don't spend a ton of time with the Holy Spirit, You're going to miss out on the day-to-day work of God in your life, that he is gifting you for a purpose, and that he is bringing into your life the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you're going to miss out on this work that God wants to do each and every day. And what's going to happen is that God's going to be relegated to like a thing you do on Sunday. Instead of this presence and power in your life that wants to be active and alive every day of of the week. So I like how Paul starts. Paul's talking about the work of the Spirit here. And he says, Here's the work of the Spirit. He will strengthen you with power. This is what the Spirit's gonna do. He'll strengthen you with power. That kind of Greek word strengthen, it carries with it the idea of ability. And here's what God is doing through his spirit: He's making you able. He's making you able. That you are able to face every challenge you face and you are able to live this life through the work of the Spirit. You are able to raise your children in God's grace. He's making you able. You are able to go to work for another week. He's making you able. You're able, if this is what God calls you to do, to even face the end of your life like Paul was, uh, with confidence. You're able. You're able to face the pandemic. You're able to face the bad economy. You're able to face the uncertainty of the election. You are able because of the Spirit's work inside of you. He's making you able. So if you get nothing else out of today's sermon, take that home with you. That, that preaches well, right? Take it home with you because Paul is exactly right. Through the Spirit, not on my own power. Are you kidding me? On my own power, I would have been crushed about week three of the pandemic. Not by your own power, you're not able. Through the spirit, you are able, and you are. You are able to do everything he has called or allowed you to do. You are able to face every challenge. And the end result of this power, the end result of this ability, he says, is that Christ would be able to dwell in our hearts through faith. So he says, the spirit is strengthening us. The Spirit is making us able so that we can stay faithful to God and we can stay connected to his love because here 's what is true: your circumstances have the power to affect your relationship to God, so he says the Spirit is strengthening you and making you strong so that that doesn 't happen in a negative way, so that that your faith in God is not affected uh, in, in a bad way, so you we all know people that have faced unbelievable challenges in their life. And those challenges have resulted in bitterness or those challenges have resulted in anger. And those uh, challenges have resulted in frustration and it drives a wedge between them and God. And it drives a wedge between them and other people. It drives a wedge between them and their church and that anger and that bitterness and that frustration, it ruins everything. It says, no, the spirit is is strengthening you in your inner being to make you able to face challenges so that you can stay connected to your heavenly father and specifically so you can stay connected to his love. All right, the the chapter goes on, uh, verse 17 says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, May have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the point of it all. The Spirit is enabling you. The Spirit is empowering you to stay faithful, so that you can stay rooted and connected in His love, which which is everything. Staying rooted and connected in love is everything. So I love gardening. My love of gardening, uh, my love for it exceeds my ability with it, all right? If that that makes any sense. I love it, but I'm I'm not a great gardener. But one thing I did discover a long time ago was that the success of the garden is directly proportional to the type of soil that you use. So just kind of by accident, one time... One year, I bought this miracle Grow topsoil, and I put it in my raised bed. I'm a raised bed gardener. I'm a fake, basically. But um, I I put it into the raised beds, and I am not kidding you. The plants and the vegetables went berserk um, with the right soil in there. We produced cucumbers that could kill a man, all right? (laughs) Um, zucchini that could take out a car, right? I mean, these things were huge. They just went absolutely berserk. And Paul takes us back to this agricultural example. If you remember the work of the plant, remember in this illustration, we're the plant, we're the tree. The work of the tree is to remain in the soil. This is our work. It is to remain in the soil. It is to remain in and under his love. The spirit is strengthening us, the spirit is empowering us so that we can do what we were created to, which is remain in the soil. All right. So remain in God's love, remain rooted and established in his love. It is the most important thing. And he talks about it in two ways. He says, first of all, my prayer for you, when it comes to you being rooted into God's love, my prayer for you, first of all, is that you would grasp it. All right. This uh, Greek word, it carries with it the idea of intellectual knowledge. He says, I pray that you would have an intellectual knowledge of how much God loves you through the work of Jesus. And honestly, I find that almost any child can intellectually grasp the gospel, right? Any child can explain to you that we are sinners and that our sinners have separated us from God. And Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have the relationship with God we were created to have in this life and the next. But this is part of Paul's prayer. He says, I pray that you would intellectually understand that and and that somebody would explain it to you so that you can intellectually understand how much God loves you. But he says it goes beyond that because almost anybody can intellectually understand it. My my kids, um, every day, Cheryl and I, tell our kids that we love them, all right? It's just a daily, multiple times a day, we tell our kids we, we love them. Intellectually, I know they know I love them, but every once in a while, we wanna create moments in our house and moments in our life where they experience our love, whether it's through prayer, uh, uh, through, through play, excuse me, through vacation, just having fun together, that they can experience my love. They intellectually know it, but I want them to experience it in a unique way. And this is what Paul goes on in verse 19 to say, He says, I want you to know this love that surpasses understanding. He says, yes, I want you to intellectually know it. Jesus died for your sins. Intellectually, we can know it. I want you to intellectually know it, but I want you to experience it in your heart and my mind. How much Jesus loves you. I think Paul understood this a ton because he grew up in an intellectual background. Paul was an intellectual. And I think before he became a Christian, he persecuted the church. And I don't know, I don't have anything to base this on, but I would assume that there was a time where Paul was persecuting the church that he could articulate the truths of the faith. I bet Paul knew intellectually that Christians believe that Jesus came and died for them. But then Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He experienced God's love in a profound way, and it forever changed his life. So this is what he's writing about. He says, my prayer for you, church, is that you would intellectually know it, but experientially you would know it as well that experientially you would know that I love you. And this can be done a a hundred different ways that we experience it. In a worship service, you can just be overwhelmed by his love. While you're learning the Bible, someone's teaching the Bible, you can be overwhelmed by it. Um, Sometimes it's just a a moment where God kind of gives you a wink and a nod that I have this the entire time. I'm with you. I love you. I have a plan and and purpose for your life. But really the, the main question that Paul's getting at here that I think we need to tackle is if the spirit is enabling me the spirit is making me able to withstand challenges so that I can be rooted and established in God's love here's the question of the day what am I rooted and established in what am I rooting myself in what am I establishing myself in am I rooting and establishing myself in anger Is that the soil of my life right now? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people, that's where they're at right now. This pandemic, this election, all the stuff going on in the world, people are angry, and it is easy to root and establish ourselves in anger. Are you rooted and established in culture? That kind of culture is leading the way and you're just kind of following with whatever they say. Are you rooted and established in drama? Are you rooted and established in the Republican Party? Are you rooted and established in the Democrat Party? Are you rooted and established in CNN? Are you rooted and established in Fox News? Are you rooted and established in MSNBC? Where are you rooted and where are you established? Paul says the greatest thing you can be rooted in, the greatest thing you can be established in is God's love. And this is why the spirit is giving you the ability to make it through the challenges of life so that you can remain rooted and established in his love. So I came this morning to encourage you, remain rooted and established in his love. Listen to worship music that exalts his love. Listen to podcasts that exalt his love. Listen to sermons that exalt his love. Make the decision to take loving actions towards somebody in your life. Make sure you are rooted and established in love. The spirit is going to do what the spirit does. The spirit will strengthen you. The spirit will make you able to be able to be rooted and established in love. But this is our role as human beings is to stay rooted and established. So what I want to do, I want to read you the prayer in the totality now. So you kind of see the whole thing together. He says, "Here, here it is. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's an odd prayer, right? It is an unusual prayer. Most of the time what we pray is that we pray our circumstances would change. And this is a fine prayer too. There's nothing wrong with praying that your circumstances change. There's nothing wrong with that. that. What Paul is teaching here is a different prayer. Paul's prayer is that love would increase, right? He's not just praying that. and, And believe me, if anyone had an opportunity to pray that circumstances would change, it was Paul. He was not in the best of circumstances. He was heading toward his own death and it would come soon. So if anybody had an opportunity to pray, God, I pray that circumstances would change. It was Paul, but here's what he's teaching the Ephesian church is that my prayer for you is that love would increase. And I love how he says it, that you would experience, know and experience this love that surpasses knowledge to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Here's the truth. We are most like God when we are the most loving. We are the most like God when we are the most loving. So he prays, he prays for the Ephesians. He prays that love would increase. We need this prayer. We need this prayer church. If I can implore you in addition to all the other things that you're praying about, if I can implore you to add this to your list, we need this prayer. To pray that love would increase, that love would increase within our church family, that love would increase in our culture, that love would increase in our nation, that love would increase in our neighborhood, that love would increase. We need this prayer. And so what if in addition to praying that your candidate wins this November, which is fine by the way, pray that prayer, But what if in addition to praying that your candidate would win in November, that we started to pray, God, would you help me to love the opposition party, help my love to increase? What if in addition to praying for an end to COVID-19, which is fine, pray that prayer, I pray it too. But what if in addition to God and COVID-19, we would say, God, would you help me and the people around me to love you more during a really scary time? What if in addition to praying for the economy that we would be okay economically, what if we prayed, God, would you help me to be generous? Would you help me to love others well? What if in addition to praying for an end to all the discord our nation is facing, we would say, God, would you help me to tear down walls that separate us and for the, to love one another? What if we added love to our regular prayer list like Paul is teaching here? Help me to know your love more. Help my church family to know your love more. Help my neighborhood to know your love more. Help our nation to know your love more. And then when we know it, then we pass it on to others. You see, when you grasp it, when you know it intellectually, and when you experience it personally, here's Paul's point. You can't help but share it. All right, Paul goes on in chapter four. I want to just read you two verses so you can kind of see how Paul transitions. He has this prayer for the Ephesians for love that I want you to grasp how long and wide and high is the love of Christ. And I want you to to know intellectually and to know experientially this love. Then in chapter four, he goes on to this. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You see, your perception of your calling is what you will live out in the culture. Your belief and your perception of what you are called to will greatly impact the way, what what, the truth that you live out. So the legalist, the legalist, they believe that their calling is to keep everyone in line morally to try to get everybody to obey the rules. The hypocrite, they believe that their calling is to set themselves up as the moral example to point everyone to them, that everyone should follow them. And it's all kind of a a fake, it's all a mirage. The prideful person, they believe that their calling is to be right. But the gray sky, which is how I refer to the apostle Paul, the gray sky, his calling is to experience God's love, to know God's love, and to demonstrate God's love to everyone around them. What are you called to? Paul has just spent all of these verses teaching us about our calling, the calling we have to love, seen best in the example of the cross, that Jesus sees us in our sins. He goes and he dies for us so that we could be reconnected to God. And he says, this is your calling. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And this love manifests itself in some really powerful ways. He says, listen, be humble. Be humble, right? You don't have to act as though you are the example. We have the example and it's Christ Jesus. So he says, just be humble. Be gentle, right? You don't have to beat everybody into submission. Their relationship with God is their relationship to God. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In short, Paul says, understand your calling, your calling to love, demonstrated to us through Jesus, and leave here and live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of love. And this is essentially the how that Paul is praying about. How do we live? We live in love. How do we treat others? We treat others in love. How do we act in this world? Love, 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 summer of love. That's the name of the series, right? We live a life worthy of the calling we've received. And we're we're getting ready to receive communion right now. It's under your chair. And, And this is our opportunity to celebrate the example of the calling. um, You'll find this this little cup in your hand, it has uh, the bread on top and the juice underneath. But here's what I need you to understand. This little cup that you're looking at right now, it is a cup with bread and juice, but it also signifies your calling. That little cup is your calling. It is the example of your calling that Jesus came. The bread represents his body given on the cross. The, blood, uh, the, the juice represents his blood poured out on the cross. This all in the name of love. This cup is our calling. We are called to love the way he is loved. We are called to serve the way he is served. We are called to sacrifice the way he is sacrificed. The cup is the calling. And so right now, as we receive it, of course, we want to thank him for his calling. and for his example, but we also wanna pray this prayer and I'm gonna pray in just a minute for all of us, but we wanna pray this prayer. God, as I leave this place, would you help me to live a life worthy of this calling? This is what you've called me to. You've called me to love, you've called me to serve, you've called me to sacrifice. Help me to live a life worthy of the calling in a cup. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this calling. It is a, a high, messy, sometimes difficult calling. And I just want to pray for us right now that I know we intellectually can articulate the gospel. Um, we teach it to our kids at this church to be able to do it, to know it. But we want to experience it. We want to have this knowledge, this uh, understanding of your love that surpasses knowledge. We want to experience your love right now and we want to carry it out and we want to love others the way you have loved us. May we live out the calling in a cup and may we treat others the way you have treated us. May we love others the way you have loved us. May we sacrifice the way you have sacrificed. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. This is the last thing we're going to do today. So whenever you're ready, receive communion and may we leave here and live a life worthy of the calling we have received. God bless.